DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with Madonna House Publications, present Season of Mercy, Lent and Easter, with Servant of God, Catherine DeHuick-Doherty. To fast. Often during Lent, my mind turns to the reading from the prophet Isaiah that ends with the simple question, Is this not the sort of fast that pleases me? Isaiah chapter 58. God evidently wants a broken, humble heart, because he says, Rend your hearts, not your garments. God wants not so much a giving up as a simple giving. In order to really have an open and humble heart, to give lavishly of food, love, shelter, tenderness, and compassion, because of this humble heart, one must give up oneself. To fast the way the Lord wants means a total surrender of self to the other and for the other. The Lenten season is a good time to examine ourselves. Perhaps food is not our God, yet we can worship our will, which feeds our ego out of all proportion. Perhaps in the depths of our souls we might be unforgiving, hostile, angry. These are shameful things, if directed toward our neighbor. Maybe I'm not too concerned with things of the world, but very much with my thing, my desires, and very little concerned with the other people's needs. Lent is the time to find out, because we have been broken and opened our hearts. Because when we have broken and opened our hearts, God comes. What is a broken and humble heart? There is a story in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 16, where a prophet went to a widow who had only a little oil and a little flour. He told her to make him a cake from it. She gave it all to him, and as a result, her oil lasted her a lifetime. Have we got a heart of stone? Do we need a mallet to break it? If we do not have an open heart, we must break it open with some tool or instrument. Then the oil of love, tenderness, compassion, acceptance of the other as he is, watchfulness and alertness for the other will pour out of us, like oil from the pitcher of that widow of Zarephath. The oil will never run dry, and the size of a family will not be a concern because there will be enough love tenderness, and compassion for everyone who comes. Such are the fastings that God wants. I give up myself without ever forgetting that I must love myself. And I love myself by giving of myself. Greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his brethren. So if I lay down my life for my brethren, I fulfill the second great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am loving myself rightly when I am laying down my life for the other. It is such a gentle thing, that giving up, adjusting to what the other wants, not what I want or am interested in, in giving gladly to others, a ripple like sunshine or moonlight on water passes through your life, like a golden or a silver thread, and you are not worried about anything. Who is ever worried when they are in love? Rather simple, this fasting for the Lord. Simple, 
like all the things of God, immense. That is the paradox of the Lord. Of course, in trying to have a broken heart, it does not do any harm to abstain a little from food and a little from drink, to do a few penances and an awful lot of praying. It helps. It is so important, so vastly and compellingly important that we return to fasting. Fasting has a power. Gandhi's fast changed the face of India. We might change the picture of the world if we indulged in fasting and in prayer. These would also reveal to us the will of the Father. It is a strange thing that when you enter into the world of fasting, a great peace comes upon you, and at the same time, a great restlessness. It is one of the moments in which God and Satan fight within your soul. At the end of a day, when you have had only bread and water, coffee or tea, all kinds of thoughts about food come to mind. The first temptation comes from Satan. He seems to have found it insufferable if you are also praying. The power of fasting and prayer extends from here to the ends of the earth. It really does. And the reason for doing them is love. This is the moment when you understand St. Paul. The gifts of prophecy and faith and hope and all the rest of the gifts all fall away. And only love will remain. Fasting means controlling one's appetites. It includes sex as well as food. In old Russia, married people did not cohabitate during the six weeks of Lent, nor other times of fasting in the liturgical year. We consider sex an appetite, too. So it is quite normal for us to abstain, not because it is sinful or dirty or wrong in any way, but because it is the same as when we abstain from our appetite for food. In order to be more alert to God's voice, to stand, as it were, on tiptoes in order to hear Him. When I have disciplined myself, I can listen to God, whereas when my mind wanders, I cannot. But when I am recollected and directed toward Him, things happen. With fasting, it is the heart that begins to open up so we can begin to love. You are capable of going out of yourself toward another. You are free. Nobody tells you that you have to fast, but you decide to fast. The church invites its people to enter deeply into Lent, and the depth of that entry is measured by the amount of love you have for him whose passion Lent celebrates, reminds us of. It is a question of love. All asceticism should lead to communion with God. Asceticism, penances, and other such practices done just to show how mortified I am does not lead me anywhere, even if nobody knows about it but myself. That is just self-love. You can beat your body. You can beat your body, not eat, and seemingly spend a lot of time in prayer and yet be adoring yourself. There is always that terrible danger of the golden calf instead of the Christ of the poor, of Bethlehem, Nazareth, and Golgotha. It is insidious. No wonder, he said to the people, when you fast, wash your face and make your hair shine.
Matthew chapter 6, verse 17. In the early church, fasting always meant complete abstinence from all food and thus being hungry. Fasting of any kind will lead you to doubt and to irritation. I know how it feels when you fast. I gave up cigarettes, and that is exactly how you feel. If you think that your fasting will lead you up to heaven, do not fast. The moment we get into fasting, we also get into temptation. This is one of the things that takes a little time to understand. The evil one will present you with every reason for not continuing your fast. That is why I turn to Our Lady, the woman who can crush his head with her heel. And I implore her to help me, because I know only too well that I cannot do it by myself. The first step in any fasting, be it from cigarettes, from cookies, or whatever, is to look at Our Lady. Because God has given her a heel that can squash the devil, thus it is good to turn to her and ask her help. Lent can be very difficult because it is a time when we face ourselves. And facing ourselves, we discover many things about ourselves, among them our half-hearted service of God. We are like cross-eyed beings, with one eye on looking at what we could have, such as food, and the other looking at God, who often seems unattractive compared to it. When I fast from food, I have to contemplate it, sort out my relation to it, as I must do with all things, so that I may use them for God's purposes. Food is a wonderful thing because He has given it to me. So are all the things that He has given to me. I should worship Him who has given them to me, instead of worshiping the things and forgetting God. This is a matter for our prayer, as well as our fast. The fact is, when I begin to fast, when I begin to pray, I say clearly to the devil, it is obvious that I belong to God and I want to see God. I am following Jesus Christ. The devil then tempts us by virtue. You shouldn't fast. You get irritated. Or, don't give up smoking. You make everybody miserable. You don't want to make everybody miserable. It's so unchristian. Why don't you stop? Take a puff. That is how he tempts you. And the answer, of course, is to try to fast from irritation. Nevertheless, prepare yourself that you are going to be attacked and do not get excited about it. Just say, okay, you want to push me around? Push me around. But I'm not going to take that puff of a cigarette, and I'm not going to eat that cream puff full of ice cream and chocolate. I'm not going to do it. And that's all there is to it. I love Jesus Christ. So, he retires, goes someplace where he can think, and then comes back and starts again. One thing I want you to know is that whenever you are moving towards God, the devil will be right behind you saying, Psst, there is the other road. Psst, do this, do that. You see how it is. Yet, through all this, fasting and prayer will get you over temptation. And then temptation is a beautiful stairway that God permits to happen just to show us how much he loves us. 
as Father Schmiemann writes in Great Lent, a faith which has not overcome doubts and temptations is seldom a real faith. No progress in Christian life is possible without the bitter experience of failure. Let us take that as a good idea for Lent, because we think failure is terrible. If you fail, you are rejected. If you are rejected, you are not loved. Try to understand that when you fail in a struggle with God, you simply see yourself, and that failure leads to a good examine of your conscience. Failure simply means get up, start all over again. Fasting will take you deep. When the apostles told the Lord that they were unable to exercise, exorcise demons as he had done, he himself said, These are exercised by fasting and prayer. Yes, our fasting can begin to exorcise the many little devils that still live in our hearts and some of the big ones that hide behind them. Lent is the time to exorcise all of them. Whenever we turn to God, always we come face to face with fasting, prayer, and penance. There is about them a strange, fascinating call. They are powerful spiritual weapons. You've been listening to an excerpt from Servant of God, Catherine de Hewitt Doherty's Season of Mercy, Lent and Easter. This is a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with Madonna House Publications. For more episodes in this series, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it in our free Discerning Hearts app or on many streaming platforms. Discerning Hearts is a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. To learn how you can support our mission, visit discerninghearts.com.